0: Hearing from the No Sponsorship Studios, this is Buddy Walk with Jesus, where real life and the kingdom of God connect.
1: Now, your hosts, Joe and Edgar. Father God, I thank you for the opportunity to be in your presence right now. Dear Lord, I just pray for everyone who's listening right now that you would give them ears to hear you not two men speak but your words flow out father you would give us words for them give life to them for each listener that they would grow in the very hour that they listen. father we pray that the challenge of anything that we put out would be challenged back that they would look at it like the Bereans do, Father, I thank you that you delight in people who seek you out. It is not an affront to you to find out your words, to try to understand if your words are true and to be able to come to the conclusion that you are the mighty God who has overcome every situation in life to the point that you have even overcome death for us. And we thank you that one day we will see you as you are. In Jesus' name, amen. What's up, guys?
0: Welcome back to Buddy Walk with Jesus. As always, we want you guys to know two things at the start here that you are prayed for and that you are loved deeply. A couple of quick things. If you need prayer, prayer at buddywalkwithjesus.com. Do not hesitate to reach out, send us an email. Check out BuddyWalkWithJesus.com for the links for all of the things. Our Discord server where we come together, chat, fellowship, our Patreon if you'd like to support the ministry, as well as our store for all of the best Buddy Walk With Jesus merchandise. Community, this week is going to get interesting. Um, It's a little funny. A lot of the quote-unquote series that we've done on the show, we kind of found our way into Something comes up and it kind of goes from there. You know, something else comes up and then suddenly we're a couple episodes deep into something that would be considered a series, you know, because we're professional broadcasters. Um, We've been in somewhat of a season of addressing some of the harder topics, but but this has been a learning curve for me and it's been good because it's challenged me to, to look at these different topics. This week, um, we're going for it. <laughs> this week, we're having one of those dis- one of those discussions um, about one of probably the most divisive topics amongst Christians, and that's divorce and subsequently remarriage. Uh, this is one of those topics that people tend to either be very opinionated on, or just kind of leave alone and ignore because there's so much noise already about it. There's so many different opinions and perspectives on this from countless different people. I got curious and researched what Google yielded when looking for different takes on this, and I quit looking after about 15 different pages worth of articles and opinions, most of which are copy and paste and saying the exact same thing. I'm legitimately saying the exact same thing that's not hyperbole. Um, generally centered around the same handful of verses. And if I'm going to be honest, many of these pieces copy and pasting bad theology and, and misuse of a lot of these same scriptures. Peeling the curtain back for a second. Since this show began, I've never sought to hide my past, but I've also never really gone out of my way to seriously publicize it. Honestly, because it's a subject that I'm a bit gun-shy on. I cannot begin to tell you guys how many times that my wife and I have been condemned because of my past. So I'm careful about what I say and when I discuss it. But the past several months have brought me to this point of needing to spearhead this discussion. And I know I'm not the only one in this community who's been there and done that. And the reality of our world is that there are some of us in this kingdom that have been through more than others. And when we prejudge these situations and try to, try to paint them with this large sweeping brush and the same kind of stereotypical long-standing quote-unquote Christian teaching. Um, that's when people get left behind. That's when people get forgotten about because they've, they've broken the biggest rules, quote-unquote. Like I said about the Judgment episode, this has taken a lot of different forms. Trust me, the original wasn't nearly as nice because it was born out of a place of hurt and it was born out of a place of sadness. Not just for myself, Not just for my wife, but for all of the people that have been rejected by the church because of their past. So community, I want to ask you guys a favor. Regardless of your personal stance on this matter, I ask that you enter into this conversation with open ears. Many churches have been teaching a very specific message on this topic for a lot of years. And because of that, it's easy to just write this off without listening. I don't expect, nor am I trying to change any minds today because myself, it doesn't really mean a lot. I, Joe, changing your mind and, and speaking words does not need, does not mean nearly as much as listening to God in all of this. Knowing what God, what 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 the Bible has to say about all of this. So, as always, I want to hit this from a biblical point of view. And I want to unpack what the Bible says and doesn't say through the lens of um, taking the Bible as the barometer and forsaking tradition for tradition's sake. Um, there are a few points that are very important to make right from the start. And I want you guys to hear this. Okay. Before anything else, divorce is never a good thing. We know that not only, we know that not only from the Bible, but from people. Look around. Divorces don't come from a good place. Why do you think they're so messy and so complicated? because it was never designed to be part of the process. That was not God's intention. So even, quote unquote, clean divorces are still messy. It leaves damage. It leaves collateral damage. There's a heart matter at play when you consider the ending of a marriage. So please do not think for a second that I'm trying to make light of divorce or devalue marriage in any of what I'm about to say. Actually, I fully recognize that we live in a time where the world makes every single attempt to devalue the significance, beauty, and sanctity of marriage. There's a point where it becomes clear that some people treat marriage like it's a suit. Good for as long as it fits well, but when something happens to it, just gotta go get a different one. The statistics on divorce rates are staggering. It's disgusting. And I fully admit that it's disgusting. Having been part of the statistic. And the truth is, the goal should always be towards reconciliation in the first place. Yes, there's unique situations. I understand. Red flags just get thrown on the play. I understand. There's unique situations where where what I just said gets very, very complicated. But the whole thing is complicated, community. The whole idea of divorce is complicated for a reason. God designed your spouse to be your partner. The one that you're in this with. And dude, let me tell you, since making that realization, which sounds like I'm being sarcastic, but I'm really not, because it didn't come naturally. There's so much freedom there. When you realize that your spouse is your partner that's in this with you, that's doing life with you, there's so much freedom there. And if my experiences so far in sum total have taught me anything about relationships, it's that a marriage is active. It's a two-player game in both the good and the bad my wife and I say a thing, it takes two to tango, we both realize that. Again, I know that there's exceptions, and the Bible speaks to that, but by large majority, um, dissolving a marriage is two-player as well. Not just legally, but emotionally and spiritually. At the same time, Reconciliation is also a two-player event. I still remember the best marriage advice that I had ever been given. Everything changed when we realized that we were partners and not opponents. Marriage is a gift. And it's seriously hard work. So while we are going to To be focusing in this conversation about what happens during and post the the dissolving of the marriage. This needs to be said right from jump street. There's a reason why marriage is the example for our relationship with God. We see it all over the Bible. It's that marriage covenant is to be held sacred.
1: Came off of that last statement. And in Genesis 1, it says that God made man in his image. Male and female, he made them. So we know that the union of man and woman reflect God in a way that individuals don't. So there is a not only a sanctity to marriage, but there is a reflection of who God is. Does this mean that every marriage between a man and a woman um, will reflect that? No, it doesn't. Um, you know, and we can take out the unbelievers as part of that equation. A lot of times you'll find that the Christian marriage currently um, doesn't reflect that. Um, some. Because they're legalistic. The husband is domineering. The wife must not have an identity of her own, uh, which is not, in my opinion, a biblical view. Um, and my wife is very distinctive from me. And we complement each other. And sometimes we actually complement each other. <laughs> but aside from that, this is going to be a difficult topic for me. And this is why I say so. I grew up in a dysfunctional home. My mother was hurt by my father. In my young mind, divorce was a safety for her. So I remember when I was nine years old and I was in the hospital, we were waiting for some some doctors or um, to come out because they had wanted to do a paper on the sickness that I had gone through and was in the hospital for like 72 days on. It was not a big thing. and. No paper was ever written. We were there for no reason. But I remember being a young boy telling my mother, if she and my father divorced, I would go with her because a woman needs a man to protect her. I'm nine years old and I saw what had gone on and I thought I could be that protection. Now, some of you might think that's cute and sweet and endearing. Not everybody feels that way about it, but... The thing is, I understood that my mother was in danger, you know, and that's the reality of this world. That is a plain, simple fact. And I would never, ever caution a woman, well, you can't separate from your husband or you can't leave him if she's under a threat like that. Um, I think at that point, the church needs to stand up and the men of God need to be, the warriors of God and do something to bring that brother in line if he is a brother. But the woman should never be under threat of her life, regardless, whatever situation. Then I've had other areas with you know, you know, people in the family who get to get married and you and here comes a judgment and I apologize, but you know, it's not going to go well. And sure enough, it doesn't go well. Um, and they wind up divorcing. I myself, after 16 years of marriage, was the closest point ever to getting divorced. My wife and I were at odds. Similar to what you showed Joe, but we were like, and the kids suffered. We had four children at that point. Um, and we we only had four, we lost two before this, but, um, we wound up, uh, my mindset, and we were going into a weekend to remember, which is a, a, a couple's weekend Christian retreat slash seminar kind of thing. We had gone into it as, you know, well, she had one point. She wants to hear from God about staying with me. Otherwise, that was it. And I don't think she would phrase it that way now or or. or However, but it was for her, she was at a point and I was at a point. My point was, I'm not going to divorce her. But if she asks, so I put it on her. So that was very manly of me. Um, And we went into that weekend and the speaker wound up saying a phrase that hit us. And the phrase was, do we trust God enough that this is the person for us? and all the wind came out of our sails and we realized we had this all wrong. And everybody who had been speaking death into our marriage, their words were just taken out of the sails. And believe it or not, people do speak death. They say, your your marriage should be like this and it doesn't look anything biblical. Our biblical marriage is Christ and the church, how he loves the church how he waters the church with the words of the Bible. So we see that in the chapter that talks about love and respect. So for me, you know, it came really close to divorce. And I was a person, when I got married, it was not an issue, never was going to happen, and everything, but it comes so close. And it was a long process. And if I did not submit to God's question, you know, who knows? But I will tell you this, the kids saw us go into that weekend to remember. And when we came out, my one of my daughters did like a little hand puppet thing that we were like barking back at each other and everything. But then after all, after the weekend, we were like nuzzling each other and being lovey dovey. And it really calibrated us. You know, we've had 18 years, 19 years now of good marriage that takes away the shadow of the first 16. And we are in the best points. Don't, does that mean we have rocky points? Yeah, we still do. But we are not going to divorce at all. Because it's not God's plan for us. Now I will say this. Those of you who have divorced and remarried. I don't want you to think that I'm saying. And anything is a reflection on you. Do not. And I've heard people say this. To people who have remarried. Divorce that one. Go back to the first one. I don't, I don't recommend that. That's me as a person. In my opinion. I don't see that. I see actually that what's happened. For the Christians. Who have gotten it. And I'm using examples. Uh, who have done it. And they've gotten to a place. Where they marry a person. Who compliments them. It's not a person who's needy. It's not a person who acts like an unbeliever, but a person who's looking to grow in the Lord first and then grow to with each other. Um, finding the right person is very, I don't wanna say it's very hard, but there's a correlation to what you're willing to put into your relationship with the Lord that will come out in the marriage.
0: Now that the table is set, there's a metric ton to talk about, so let's crack it. I want to start off where I think most of us are are likely to agree upon, and it's, it's that this whole idea of no divorce is permissible. This thought process says that there's never a legitimate reason to get divorced, regardless of circumstance, regardless of situation, regardless of anything and that even if you get a legal divorce you are still married in the eyes of god and we're going to touch on that idea here in in a little bit but here essentially saying that man cannot break what god has created this is typically a catholic belief and there's honestly not a lot in the way of uh spirit or scriptural backing to support this we know that from jeremiah 3 that God uses the language of giving Israel a certificate of divorce, displaying the illustration that we see all over the Bible using marriage language in regards to the church's relationship with God. We also see examples in the Old in the Old and New Testaments that discuss different terms and situations in regards to divorce. That's why I said we're all likely to agree here because this seems to be the least biblically founded stance that I found. The instances where this stance conflicts with scripture are too many to list. If you have to ignore or go out of your way to reason with other scripture verses to make your point of view fit, then there's something wrong. So again, this isn't to paint divorce in any kind of positive light, but this is something that exists and that the Bible's, pretty clear that exists we know God is perfect and if this wasn't if this wasn't possible then then God couldn't have done it so that one kind of a quick out of the way that this is the first stance that no there there is no such thing as as divorce and I think when you look At the full breadth of scripture, it's very, very obvious that this one just does not make sense. I want to transition over to uh, justified versus unjustified divorce. Now that we've covered that this exists, I want to jump in. This is probably the point in my studies of this topic where I came the furthest, if I'm being honest. By that, I mean that God has taught me things since embarking on this study This wasn't just a wholesale confirmation of what I thought already, which is rarely what it is when God's teaching you something. So I want to start off here by reading out of uh, Matthew 19, starting at verse 1. When Jesus had finished saying these things, he left Galilee and went down to the region of Judea east of the Jordan River. Two large crowds followed him there, and he healed their sick. Some Pharisees came and tried to trap him with this question. Should a man be allowed to divorce his wife for just any reason? Side note, meaning the position of, I can divorce my wife for whatever reason. Remember, context is key to what's being asked here. Back into starting at verse 4. Haven't you read the scriptures, Jesus replied. They record that from the beginning, God made them male and female. And he said, this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife. And the two are united into one. Since they are no longer two, but one, let no man split apart what God has joined together. Then why did you? G- Then why did Moses say in the law that a man could give his wife a written notice of divorce and send her away? They asked. Jesus replied, Moses permitted divorce only as a concession to your hard hearts. But it is not what God had originally intended. And I tell you this, whoever divorces his wife and remarries somebody else commits adultery, unless his wife has been unfaithful. Jesus' disciples then said to him, If this is the case, it's better not to marry. Not everyone can accept this statement, Jesus said. Only those whom God helps. Some some are born eunuchs, some are made eunuchs by others, and some choose not to marry for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. Let anyone accept this who can. Finally, completing the Old Testament, for the first time for me in its entirety, taught me a lot about context, framework, and the historical significance of what came before Jesus and formal Christianity. When you don't have that full context, it becomes very easy to take sound bites and to turn them into something much different than what they were, were originally. In its full context, we know that this dialogue with Jesus is with the backdrop of Deuteronomy 24. Like I paused to say, it was being asked if Jesus sided with the view that any reason for divorce was lawful. But there's a word in there that gets used that we need to talk about. That's adultery. That's the million-dollar question that hangs out in these topics. Is Remarriage after divorce adultery. And most commonly, the answer is yes. But. And this is a very, very significant but. It's not so cut and dry, black and white. And there's a lot more conversation that has to take place beyond that one statement. So as a Christian, when you enter into that covenant and then turn around and you end it for something other than what is one of the exceptions that the Bible puts forward, which is a much bigger thing than just sex with somebody else, which this kind of gets brought down to the lowest common denominator sometimes, is sometimes, but that whole, the exceptions, sort of what, Edgar was starting to allude to with some of what he said as far as abuse as far as different things there there's the the world is three-dimensional and this is three-dimensional we don't have time to hit every single part of this we would literally do a month's worth of episodes just trying to unpack this single topic so yes this is again a, a larger conversation unto itself especially when you take Jesus's words in Matthew 5 into consideration when you're stepping away from that covenant that you created with that person, what is that? It's adultery. So to ignore that would mean that you would have to ignore a whole section of scripture, especially when you consider what happens at a heart level. Like I said, when you get a divorce, there's damage behind it. And there's, and that's just the truth of the matter and we cannot devalue marriage to the point of denying what Jesus says about it. However, this leads to the real meat and potatoes of all of this and that's the concept of perpetual adultery. Which for those of you that aren't familiar is exactly how it's out. It's the specific degree of severity that might change depending on who you ask and who you're talking to. But the basic idea is that if you get divorced and you get remarried, you are now in a cycle of perpetual adultery, thus damning you and your spouse to help because you are quote unquote living in sin. Like I said, some people keep it to people who get divorced for unjustified reasons. Some people don't. Thus far, a lot of what I've had to say has been pretty in concert with a lot of the popular teachings about this subject in the West. Here's where I may lose some of you, but again, I ask you the favor of hearing me out because there are falsehoods that are taught on a regular basis in the church that are really hurting people when it comes to this to say that a person who gets remarried regardless of justification now has found themselves in a in a way in a state that it becomes impossible to receive the gift of salvation or the love of god not only disregards the cultural and historical context of what the bible is saying here But it disregards the very character of God. Catch this because this is important. From the start, we've seen God, the creator of everything. The Alpha and Omega literally move oceans and move heaven and earth for us. We have miraculous accounts. He sent his son for all of us. Full stop, not a bridge too far. I am fully aware of the verses that defend this point of view, and we're going to get there. But I need to take a second and focus here for a minute. Our mission statement for this show has been and continues to be to promote intimacy with God in a foundation in Scripture. Because if you look at how God has historically interacted with man, on through to the words that jesus spoke in past it all points to this oneness and this intimacy with god far beyond our imaginations that's the kind of god that we serve a god that wants that relationship with us and so again for those that are married think of how intimate marriage is and then turn the volume up to 11. Yes, sin exists. Yes, there are consequences for unrepentant sin as an extension of God's perfect judgment. But the problem with this mode of thought is it puts limitation on the blood of Christ and the love of God. And biblically speaking,
1: that's impossible. Yeah. This, this may muddy the waters, I don't know um, but it's just the thought that I had in in coming out with with this because there's a shot of divorce and I've seeing divorce happen and everything and it's just permeates throughout society it just it's all over the place. but I'm not going to be touching on you know secular couples divorce. you know they're secular couples you know they as I mentioned they are sin nature you know but here, what happens when it's a Christian couple that does it for a reason that comes up as or comes across as irreconcilable differences? There was one celebrity and this was a singer who divorced and and got married. But there was no understanding of why this person did that the only thought that came to my head out of this is that the children in this marriage will believe that jesus is not the answer for every problem based on this because no child wants their parents to divorce under normal circumstances i was a child who wanted that for his mother's safety or believed i should say i don't shouldn't say wanted but believed it was necessary But what gets me is um, there was another person who was a Christian, I guess you would call him a leader. He was part of a movement in Florida and I was watching a documentary by accident, just caught my attention and I was not too familiar with this person, but he he was getting prominent and then he divorced his wife and I don't know if he had an adulterous affair beforehand, or he got married but he was under a church restoration process and he decided he didn't want to finish the eight months for it. That was a telltale sign for me. That this person is not a good leader um, and to be wary of him. When I was looking at this episode and reviewing it, he came back up and I found out he had done a lot more things since. And the expectation is that people will have to, you know, be true Christians and pray for him. And it sounded like he was saying, "Side with him in prayer, come to his aid." I'm not sure that when, and this is this may be because a lot of it is done in secret or done not see, what's not It's not secret, but done privately. Privately is a better word. That people don't have an understanding and when when somebody like this continues in sin and it comes out and it's corroborated and then you find out even worse things happening um i think something like that can make it harder for christians who do get divorced um that don't go to this area that happens Um, But divorce is such a difficult topic. Part of it is because it is the image of God and it bears up. But at one point, we can do, and you touched on it, Joe, we can do something that's difficult and wrong, and that's hold back the gospel. We talked about that in the last episode. Hold back the gospel, community from someone who's divorced because they're divorced. I know that there are people who, who were told they couldn't work at a Christian school because they were divorced. Um, what is the what is the gospel message for these people? That they're no longer in the kingdom; they're second rate citizens. You know that they can't serve in ministry. This is a challenge to all of us to understand what the intimacy of God means and what it calls from us. And sometimes it does cause us to understand what we why we believe what we believe. I, I find that God's kingdom is a body rescue. And we need all the hands we can. If a person gets divorced but it's in a and I'm going to put it this way in a Christ-filled marriage, second marriage, you know, why are they being ostracized or why are they i don't know i don't know of a situation like that now so my mind is trying to see that circumstance and i don't know and joe you talked about it but maybe can you give that kind of like a 3d look what does this feel like because you started off talking about it but what does this feel like do you feel like people are holding you back from Doing things for the Lord that you would ordinarily do, maybe that's not even the right way to say it. No, no,
0: that that is that is very that is very true. So um it feels like you've been like you've had like you're trying to run a race but in like ankle cuffs. Like like you're like you've been handcuffed. Right. What's what's honestly the most disheartening aspect of it is that when you look to when you look to the Bible At least, at least if the Bible validated what they were saying, then at least that was something. But when you on top of hearing from man one thing and then what they're saying is not backed up by the Bible, it's a very disheartening place to be, especially if you're new to the faith or if you don't have that firm foundation. But the reality is, is that it's it's kind of like walking around with one eye over your shoulder, sort Mm -hmm. of thing. You always have to be aware of what it is that you say because you don't know when you share of yourself and you share of your story, you don't know when you're gonna find somebody that automatically they hear that and automatically they don't need to know anything else about you. You know, you had once talked about talked about a neighbor that you had at one point who whose main reason for not liking you was because your name ended, your last name ended in a Z. Yeah, it's like that. Where, mm-hmm. where that's that's all they need to hear, and then done. You're you've you have been you have been categorized. I know everything that I need to know about you, and that's that. Mm-hmm. And it's hard. It's hard. I one of the things that I've struggled with is um, not playing in the sandbox with other Christians that pull, pulling away from other from other kingdom citizens because eventually you get to the point where you just don't want to just don't want to risk it. You know what I mean? Like, oh, it's just me and God cool. Good. I don't I don't need people. I got God, I don't need people. And and that might sound a little ridiculous to hear out, out to from, from to to hear out loud. But I would be very surprised if there wasn't somebody listening who understood exactly what I just meant.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I had that mindset too, so I totally get. It. So help me out here, when, um, and not to use you as an example because every, you know, every, every, every case is different. But so, did you feel people held back the love of God and thought you were now? Because you said the phrase, and I just want to make sure: is that you speaking, or maybe it came from other people's experience that you were no longer saved? Like, oh yeah. Pardonable sin, which is not right. So yeah, there's
0: there is 100, and and that's um, part of what goes into the whole idea of perpetual adultery. That you are because you are li- you are making a conscious choice to quote unquote live in sin. That you cannot also have a relationship with God and live in sin at the same time. So by default, you are not saved. By default, you are choosing, you are making an active choice against God and thus proving the fact that you're not actually a Christian sort of thing. So, yes, that is completely a thing that happens. That, that uh, unfortunately, this is one of those topics and this is why I get heavy-handed about the tradition of it all. Because this is one of those topics that within the church is destroying people's lives. Mm -hmm. And and, and people are walking away because of this. And a a lot of that comes down to mistranslation and out-of-context presentation. On that note, I want to address one of the tentpole verses that most look to when trying to defend perpetual adultery and that's Romans chapter 7 starting at verse 1 now dear brothers and sisters you who are familiar with the law don't know don't you know that the law applies only while a person is living for example when a woman marries the law binds her to her husband as long as he is alive but if he dies the laws of marriage no longer apply to her so while her husband is alive she would be committing adultery if she married another man. But if her husband dies, she is free from the law and does not commit adultery when she remarries. Cut and dry, right? Seems so. Except when you read that specific message out of it, when you read an agenda out of it, and then plug it back into the full context of Paul's letter, it seems a bit strange and random that Paul, that, that Paul would randomly sidetrack into a conversation about marriage in the middle of a conversation about the law and our relationship with God. It's a metaphor. It's been co-opted to be presented as face value statement. Any of you that train people for a living, anybody, any educators out there, you know what can happen when you make an analogy and somebody runs with it. But the reality is is that sometimes you make illustrations, sometimes you make metaphors, and that's exactly what Paul is doing here. And honestly, it's not a big coincidence that this mode of thinking is commonly found with people that have a very legalistic relationship with God. Take the rule or moral out and leave behind everything else that doesn't fit. The problem is you miss a lot When you do that, and eventually you teach things that the Bible doesn't say, this is why you need a full and complete foundation as we grow. So, should we, we are, our understanding, our foundation, and I'm going to say knowledge base and depths of study, but I don't mean that in a works kind of way. I mean that because you are looking to grow in your knowledge of the Lord and grow in intimacy and know his word and know know his character. and, And those are the kinds of things that this gets born out of. But that we should see as time goes on an increase in the desire to know the full breadth and the full context of what the Bible has to say. And when we take out one part and present it in a certain way, If you don't have this, then you don't know that it's conflicting with the rest of the Bible. Which this mode of thinking absolutely does. It's it's commonly taught in Luke 16, 18, that when it says committing adultery, commits adultery, it's saying that this is presented in the continuous tense in the Greek. That the the idea is that you are doing it now and it's in the present continuous. The problem is that's not actually true. Luke 16, 18 is written in the Greek present indicative, which basically means that you are making a statement of fact. I'm wearing a blue shirt. The sky is blue. Grass is green. You are just making a statement of fact. It has nothing to do with continuous, nor is there an implication of that. It's this mode of thinking that tends to go hand in hand with people that teach that if you get remarried and you realize that it's adultery, to break it off and get a second divorce. And that'll be your way out of the cycle of adultery. Edgar brought it up. I want to comment on it. That's like me walking into a room and saying that I've got a headache. And then somebody kicking me in the shin in hopes that my head doesn't hurt anymore. And honestly, it's nonsensical to think that just by doing the same thing that you be- that you were called wrong in the first place, that it'll make it all better. Beyond God just valuing the marriage, there's an opportunity for redemption. In all of that. Let's say it was an unjustified divorce. Let's say it's totally hard-hearted. Let's say the whole thing never addressed it, got remarried, all of that, and then has that coming to Jesus moment and knows that there's a lot of there's a lot of heart matter to do. Well, what's God do? Open arms, still the same gospel message, still the same love and the same character that always is for the repentant sinner, the repentant. It is the same with any sin that we see that, that we are called into repentance over, that that is a conversation that has to happen, but that is a free gift that is given to every single one of us. And when you start to pull at that thread, then quickly you get into, okay, but God, but, but God's love doesn't work here. But the blood of Jesus doesn't work here. Not on these people. And the problem is is that this becomes into, institutionalized. This this way of thinking becomes this wide stroke brush and it sounds like I'm being salty here and and overly sarcastic about the whole thing. And maybe I am a little. Maybe I am being guilty maybe I am guilty of being sarcastic about it. But if I'm being honest, I know that this happens and it's infuriating to me. Because people are being hurt based off of generational bad theology and religious
1: tradition. It's obvious this is a hard topic. It really is. Um, And I'm hoping that the people who are not going through a divorce or have divorced can somehow, I want to say grasp the idea that there's a lot of complexity in this. What answer would you have for people that would be, and I'm going to phrase, pick a particular word, be meaningful to where they're at. Is, is quoting the verse that you started with, Matthew 5, it was from there,
0: Judge unless you be judged.
1: Yeah. No. No. Well, uh, the one about the um, the adultery. Uh,
0: <laughs> oh, whoever commits adultery. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That one. It is. Is that the one you would go with? Would Would it be different for a different person? We. We. This is where intimacy with God, and this is where I, I, I want to take it, is you want to bring the kingdom into what's happening. If someone is. In the midst of seeking a divorce, how do you come alongside them? The Bible tells us weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice. And that's basically saying, you know, see it from where they're at, be in that moment. And God can provide you wisdom. And he can provide words to come out of your mouth if you're open that will help. Like that man in the um, conference who said that one phrase and turned it around for us. God doesn't want marriages to end. So if you're currently in a marriage, intimacy with Jesus is your one important thing. You must know God closely. It is better if we as the church, and I'm not just saying the the pastors only. I'm saying the men and the women who make up the body of Christ encouraged couples who were looking to get married to really know God first to help offset broken homes that would be in the future. This has to be something that cannot be uh, like a textbook study. You know, when I was getting married, we went through uh, marriage counseling and it was following a book and, you know, what are the right answers and all that. You can, you can, you can whiz that and still have a marriage that falls apart within the first year. You cannot fake intimacy with Christ. And it's not God's heart that divorce would happen in a relationship because it is a difficult situation um, for people to go through and to be in. How are you going to be Christ to them? If they're divorced and they've remarried, how are you going to be Christ to them? If they're going through a divorce, how are you going to be Christ to them? Now I had a friend, real close friend, who was looking to get divorced, and I tried to talk to him. And he's a man who would share scripture a lot, be you know, teaching people, leading people, and all that. very prominent in his faith, very strong in his faith. But as soon as I asked him about the divorce, he didn't he closed up. Was he mean? No, he wasn't, but he did not want to hear anything. So me being Christ to him was to not push it, but pray for him. And sometimes we, we can feel like prayer is not really doing anything. So I have to take it or something. And, you know, the devil plays many mind tricks, but to be proactive doesn't mean you have to be on top of a person. That person reconciled with his wife. And they are at the happiest time. They've renewed their vows and everything. So God was glorified. What would have happened if I pushed him? He still might have gone and renewed his wife, uh, renewed the vows with his wife. And but he may not. Have, he may have decided I wasn't a friend to him. And that you know, right or wrong, and I'm not going to judge that right or wrong. That could have been the outcome. Because I decided that I wasn't going to listen and stop. Um, Sometimes love doesn't look the way we think it would. And we have to be careful with that. We have to really understand God's heart for people. um, As opposed to a legal formula. If, If this situation is there, this verse speaks directly to it. God's wisdom, and we see this in Proverbs 8 is that he sees it all. He commands things from the beginning. He can command this situation easily. What is our role in it? Okay, we can't think ourselves higher than we ought, Uh, but we really need to be there for anyone who's seen divorce as a reality. And in a way that encourages them to seek God um, and you'll get an idea and listen if you mess it up you mess it up but do it in love so they know at least you know later on this guy was loving me this this woman was loving me and trying to help me through this situation and bring Christ into it I get it now it, it may not happen when when you're doing it but don't make it about your knowledge You've got a handle on it. Uh, You see them for it is. Oh, and that wonderful phrase, I tell it like it is.
0: Those never work.
1: To wrap up
0: here, to piggyback off what Edgar just said, this continues to be about pointing people to the reality of the relationship God wants to have with us. Um, Like we said last week, regardless of what side of the fence you're on, If you are somebody that's gotten this wrong, or if you have been on the receiving end of somebody getting it wrong, take it to God. To speak to the people who have gotten it wrong, if you find yourself in this mode of thinking, this legalistic mode of thinking, take it to God. I urge you to unpack that and to have some honest conversations with God about your approach. Um, if you are somebody who has experienced this, hear me when I say this: God's identity for you matters so much more than man's. Let no man steal your crown. Don't let somebody come in, allow for you to be to to not take ownership of your role within the kingdom. Based off of your background. Based off of your past. So many of us have past. More people than would care to admit to it a lot of the time have a past. The, one, the people that we look up to in the Bible had a past. There's a common thread here. And praise God that he is bigger than any of our past. I pray that if this is something that you have struggled with and you have seen and you have felt, that you would turn to God for peace. And that sounds so Christianese to say, especially if you're listening and you're going through the thick of things. But I promise you that surrendering the situation to God with the full faith that God has you during the whole thing that changes everything.
1: Father God, I thank you that sometimes you challenge us, Father. I felt very challenged today, honestly. and I... I can only run to you, I, I can't even think clearly at times, and I just thank you for who, for who you are and that you love me regardless of my faults, and Father, I know each and every listener, no matter where they are in life, you care for them. Whether they're a pedophile or a deadbeat dad, you love them so much, you sent Christ to the cross. Jesus willingly died, surrendered himself so that they could become part of the body. Father, for all the people who are facing divorce, Father, they would feel your love and that you would speak words of life to them because you only speak words of life. That they would hear you clearly and see it in your word. Father, you sustain us. You desire us. And only you could make it as though we've never sinned. I thank you in Jesus' name.
0: Thanks for tuning in to Buddy Walk with Jesus. For more information, check us out at buddywalkwithjesus.com. Look for us on Apple Podcasts and leave a rating and a review. You can also find us on Discord at the Buddy Walk community for prayer and fellowship. And lastly, if you check out the episode description, we have a listener support link and we would love your support for this ministry. As always, know that you are prayed for and know that you are loved.